0: in their tallies that the total number of votes cast is 429, of which the Honorable Mike Johnson of the State of Louisiana has received 220 votes, And the Honorable Hakeem Jeffries of the State of New York has received 209 votes. Therefore the Honorable Mike Johnson of the State of Louisiana, having received a majority of the votes cast, is duly elected Speaker of the House of Representatives for the 118th Congress.
1: Sandy Rios with you, and I can't tell you, but I'm going to try, what a miracle just happened in Washington, D.C., and I was there last week when it happened. Bruce and I were both there, uh, and um, I have a lot to tell you because I want you to be able to just stop and recognize what God has done, the miracle of the election of Mike Johnson. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, before we do, though, you know, uh, this is Sandy Rios 24-7, and you know we have a great sponsor, and it's Preborn. And I've discussed with you about truly how racist abortion is. You know, if you track the locations of Planned Parenthoods around the country, they're always near minority neighborhoods, and that's not an accident. That's because their founder, Margaret Sanger, was what we call a eugenicist. She wanted to eliminate the black and brown race, because she felt they were inferior, human weeds, they called them, and so uh, this is why we have to eradicate it. If you're not, if you, we don't have your attention yet, then I'm not sure. We, we've talked about how the pro-abortion movement wants to destroy babies; uh, they want to take their life in the womb, and that's why preborn is trying to stop this. Certainly for babies of all color, but honestly, so many of you in minority neighborhoods uh, fall prey to the propaganda of the left and. Maybe there's a more poverty per, per capita and more desperation. I don't know, but you have to understand that there are people out to do away with your race, and it has to stop. Well, Preborn is there to help women of all colors and races, and we're so glad to be a partner with them. They let moms of all stripes see the photos of their baby in the womb uh, through uh, 40 ultrasound. And when those moms see their babies, uh, they have the same reaction, really, they have the same reaction because women inherently, intrinsically, unless they're really wicked, love their babies. They can't help but love them, especially when they see them, you know, moving around in the womb. So that's what we're doing by helping pre-born. If you want to help, go to preborn.com/ slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. And you know you can call us. You may want to call us after I tell you what I'm going to tell you today about the drama that played out last week in DC. You might have a word or two. So you can call us at 662 821 2040 That's 662 821 2040 Or you can put that those words in writing at Sandy at AFR dot net. That's Sandy at AFR dot net. You can listen on any podcast platform. Tell your friends. Uh, AFR.net is our home place. That's the place to go listen. But if they listen to Apple, Spotify, or Amazon, if that's their way of listening, they're, we're there too. Facebook, Sandy Rios 24-7. On Twitter, at Sandy Rios Tweet. Uh, Instagram, Sandy Rios 24-7. So uh, we're trying to cover all those bases to make it easy for you to listen because we want to make sure that people in our country, our fellow Americans have the, the ability to hear the truth while they still can. All right, you. I just can't wait to talk to you. Honestly, I can't. So uh, sit back. Maybe this time you will want a pencil and paper and listen to this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational.
2: And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the
1: most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A
3: longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us.
1: Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy
0: Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio
1: talk show host. We've got to say, this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of governmental affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something.
0: The world is in turmoil, but a strong America is good for the entire world. We, we are the beacon of freedom, and we must preserve this grand experiment in self-governance. It still is. We're only 247 years into this grand experiment. We don't know how long it will last. But we do know that the Founders, to take, the founders told us to take good care of it. I want to tell all my colleagues here what I told the Republicans in that room last night. I don't believe there are any coincidences in a matter like this. I, I believe that Scripture, the Bible, is <clears throat> very clear that God is the one that raises up those in authority. He raised up each of you, all of us. And, and I believe that God has ordained and allowed each one of us to be brought here for this specific moment in this time. This is my belief. I believe that each one of us has a huge responsibility today to use the gifts that God has given us to serve the extraordinary people of this great country, and they deserve it, and to ensure that our republic remains standing as the great beacon of light and hope and freedom in a world that desperately needs it.
1: Well, that was the voice of brand new speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, the congressman from the state of Louisiana, and everyone scratching their heads saying, who is this person? Uh, But I want to tell you that last week and the week, uh, the few weeks before it, a drama played out uh, behind the scenes that you won't probably see uh, in newspapers or radio. You probably haven't heard about some of the things I want to tell you. And maybe, you know, because so many things, we were watching Israel and so many other things, you're taking care of your families. And the reason I want to go back and tell you these things is because for the people of God who listen to me, we have just had a profound answer to prayer. A profound answer to prayer at a time when I was afraid that God had given up on us. I'm just telling you, uh this is a miracle of God. We moved from and I'll make the point in just a second. We moved from the brink of disaster to someone who is according to to friends I have who've worked with Mike, the strongest most faithful Christian in the House of Representatives. The strongest, the one who everyone respects. Uh it's it's just extraordinary and it happened and I believe it happened because of the prayers and the faithfulness of so many of the core who were working on this behind the scenes. And I'll tell you what I mean. Uh, my Bruce is with me. Bruce, honey, thank you for joining me. Could we just say that you have lived with me living with this for the last, what, two or three weeks? <laughs> <laughs>
3: right? Yes, this has been a process. Uh, I think Sandy has been following this basically minute by minute, probably 20 hours a day. Yeah, <laughs> I, have to, much, I keep looking over and going, Sandy, you can wait an hour yeah, and still catch up. That's
1: true, because I had a lot of uh, good information that wasn't public. And I, and I was, and I it, uh, yeah, I was living it and praying, praying, because I, I saw these wonderful people engaged in this who really— do love God. They are men and women of prayer. And I just told them, you are David's mighty men. And they are. Okay, so how? what am I talking about? Am I like over the top here? Well, I'll let you uh, be the decider, as uh, as George W. Bush used to say. Well, let me take you back in time. Remember that this all came about because uh, Congressman Matt Gaetz from Florida filed a motion to vacate Speaker uh, Kevin McCarthy. Now, uh, the problem was on the budget, Kevin had agreed to all kinds of terms when he was finally elected in January. Conservatives in the House, especially the Freedom Caucus, felt that uh, Kevin is do- doesn't have a strong core, doesn't have strong uh, beliefs in things. He can be persuaded, and so he's kind of all over the map. He's uh, he's a money guy. And so they laid out these very strict and stringent um uh, guidelines for him that if he did not follow these, uh, one person could uh, file a motion to vacate. Of course, they had to vote on it to make that happen. Uh, but he uh, failed miserably when he agreed and acquiesced to President Biden on a huge financial uh, decision back in, the, in in May, and then it only got worse. And so finally, uh, when he agreed to a short-term a spending bill that was just exactly what President Joe Biden wanted and his team, it was a, it was a bridge too far. And so Matt Gates was the only one I would maintain who had the courage to step forward and actually make this motion. And of course, if you were watching, you know that immediately, and there were five or six people standing behind him to make that happen. If you were watching, you know that immediately, Matt Gates and the, I think it was eight, eight uh, others joined him, that Matt and the eight others were so maligned, and hated—probably uh, still are. By the way, Fox was one of the worst. They reviled Matt. They reviled those eight over and over. CNN mocked uh, that the, uh, the the Republicans couldn't get their act together. It was this motley group of conservatives in the House, and it was a disgrace what they were doing because it had brought such chaos. And and at a time when uh, war is breaking out in Israel, and when. Uh, we have so many money problems and all the other things that they, and this has gone on for weeks. These guys have taken an absolute beating, and so out of that process, a bloody process, uh, came Jim Jordan as a candidate. Jim was, as you know and and you do know, is a strong believer himself, Ohio congressman who has been uh, a couple of years ago. I was one of the, well, the one of the primary persons of a bunch of other people that I was working with to try to get Jim to run for speaker to beat Kevin McCarthy. But at the last minute, he withdrew and decided he wanted to be chairman of the Judiciary Committee. And, of course, he's done wonderful things in that capacity. You know, God God works in mysterious ways, and Jim threw his support behind Kevin McCarthy, which was really gut punch because we knew already that Kevin was not a man of integrity and that he had been backstabbing Uh, uh, conservatives for years. He has this big cash to spend on re-election of congressmen, and he was throwing his money into primaries to select people who were not conservative at all. He was actually spending money to knock out people who were really conservative. He was not a friend to conservatives, but pliable. So we had Jim Jordan stay, and then you, then I've just told you what the House Freedom Caucus did to try to make sure they held his feet to the fire. So out of this chaos and horrendous, horrible move on the part of uh, Matt Gates and the other eight came uh, candidate uh, Jim Jordan, who agreed to run, put his hat in the ring, and so the next week or plus, uh, it was a, a no-holes-barred attempt to get Jim over the line. He, he, Jim has, a, a, he's well-loved by the conference. I don't think anybody, kind of like Jim Johnson, I don't think nobody doesn't like Jim Jordan, except for Ken Buck from Colorado, and we, uh, you may never have heard, but I got to the bottom of that, the reason Ken Buck would refused, refused to vote for Jim Jordan was that Jim had taken him off of a committee, and uh, he was furious about it. That never really became public, but that was the holdout. And so um, and no matter what happened, you know, uh, Jim is fighting for this and people are rallying. The grassroots is rallying. So many calls are coming in uh, to the House, uh, the, the House numbers, to the various offices that uh, conservatives are fine with that. But the, uh, uh, gosh, I never know. I guess I could say rhino because you know what that means. But the moneyed Republicans who are more concerned about money than they are principal were furious. They got mad at their grassroots. They were furious with them. How dare these people tell them how to vote for Speaker? Um, and so they became a little bit recalcitrant and a little bit uh, actually smug. Uh, we saw some of them going uh, at the bowling alley at the White House and smiling in the middle middle of these votes. Some were on planes and mocking, you know, mocking their conservative partners. And uh, 21 of them refusing, just refusing to, to vote for Jim Jordan. In fact, Seven or eight of them, maybe ten, seven to ten, fifteen, whatever, uh, continued to vote for McCarthy and Scalise. McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy, and Steve Scalise had both withdrawn their names by that time. But the interesting thing was neither Kevin McCarthy nor Steve Scalise asked these recalcitrant twenty-one plus uh, to stop voting for them because they weren't running anymore. No, they didn't do that. So that was very curious to me. So Jim Jordan is trying to be the gentleman. He's talking to everyone. He's trying to, you know, um, he's a coach. He's used to working with men. He's going to so many of them, trying to persuade them, you know, that he will work with them, the gentleman that he is. He also had control of how the votes were managed, and he kept stopping the voting. There would be voting, and then there'd be a day or half a day or hours. And that really, I think, was a mistake because that gave the opposition and the Democrats a chance to really work together to uh, to start to just put a a kibosh on the whole thing. So finally, Congressman Jordan decided because he was so close. Uh, in fact, he had been remember nominated out of the conference. So you have to understand there's a Republican conference uh, in the House and there's a Democratic conference, and because the Republicans hold the majority in the House by only four, four seats right now, but they have the majority, and they're the ones who get to choose the speaker. The Democrats don't have to vote for them when it comes to a general vote, but they they, they are the ones. The party in power chooses the speaker. So Jim was the, uh, the pick of the conference, but even when he went out to be voted for on the House, these Democrats, these Democrats, these recalcitrant Republicans would not vote for him. And so uh, it was just, we were just stuck. We were just absolutely stuck. Um, so, and, and the next thing that Jim tried to do is that he thought, well, let's have a secret ballot because I think he must have been thinking that some are not voting for me because, uh, you know, whatever their motives are, they have obligations to K Street. K Street is the lobbyist, that's a nickname for the street upon which most many of the lobbyists have their buildings. They have a ton of money, uh, they pay congressmen off to do their bidding uh, to support their endeavors and that's that's a it's a bad system but that's the that's the way it is so I think Jim thought that if he had a private uh, private ballot that they would be more honest well the opposite happened they uh, they had this private uh, voting um, and it flipped so Jim lost a ton of votes and it was just perplexing but now we know the reason, for that was because many of them were really um, in, in harmony and sympathy with the K Street group, the ones that make a lot of money by doing the bidding of K Street. They were in concert with that, but they, lived, they were in very red districts, and they were getting all these calls from their constituents, and they were afraid if they publicly did not vote for Jim Jordan that they would be in trouble at home. So that's how that happened. So now they're stuck, and everyone's laughing. The Democrats are laughing. Hakeem Jeffries is just smirking. You can see it. The the and so we get more of this on Fox. The Republicans are they're in chaos. You know how the the Fox is just disgusted. Maria Bartiromo was disgusted. Uh, Newt Gingrich was totally disgusted. So was uh, so was Mike Pence. Just disgusted with these people. They've created chaos in the House of Representatives, and here we are without a speaker. So these guys go back into session again. And this time they come up with, there's dozens of names of people running. Uh, there were jokes about that. Everybody's running for speaker. Uh, but they were behind, you know, they w- they went quiet and we weren't exactly sure. We had some indication of what was happening. And then toward, um, they, Byron Donald was recommended. Byron is great. He's uh, the black congressman from Florida. He's a banker. He's Smart as a whip and also very articulate. And so he would have been a great candidate, but he did not get the votes that Tom Emmers got. Tom Emmers ended up coalescing so many of the votes that he became uh, the, the pick of the caucus. And Tom Emmers, uh, here's the problem. And if you wonder why Bruce had to live through my despondency so many times, this is one of the most despondent moments. Of the week, I'm making this personal, but for those inside, it this is I'm reflecting what what was happening with, with uh, those who are in sympathy with our views that the, the America is in, on a bad course and we have to pull it back. And so, Tom Emmer, why would I, why did I object? Why was I worried? Because Tom Emmer was a spokesperson for a George Soros entity a number of years ago where they, uh, George Soros wanted to do away with, his son was uh, behind this initiative, to do away with the Electoral College and elect presidents just on a simple majority of the vote. Now, that might sound good to you, but you have to remember that if we had an, a system like that, California would decide every election. Your vote would never count again. Those of you in Indiana, those of you in Louisiana, those of you... You know, this is the point. A representative government was set up by our founders so that, again, uh, even in the small states, there were two senators per state. So that they... And then uh, New York has two senators. Rhode Island has two senators. Uh, There's a proportionate thing. The Electoral College works on the same principle to make sure that the people in all 50 states had good representation. And so... uh, uh, Tom Emmers, we still have uh, clips of him pushing this. It's not just that. Tom Emmers is all the way pro abortion. Tom Emmers said all the way uh, gay, uh, gay marriage. And so I was despondent. I was despondent. But when we woke up, I believe it was Tuesday morning, suddenly Tom Emmers dropped out of the race. Now, I'll tell you something on the inside. I don't know what the conversations were, but I can tell you this. There was a congressman from a southern state. I don't know if it was Texas. I'm, I wish I could tell you, uh, but that thread is long gone from my, from my inbox. There was a congressman from, uh, I believe, Texas, and he said to Tom Emmers, this is a report from the inside of the room. He said to him, he said, Tom, you don't need to get right with me. You need to get right with Jesus. <laughs> and That's the kind of discussions that were going on in the room. And so Tom Emmer, for whatever reason, ended up leaving. Actually, he just left. Someone reported that he left kind of in a huff. I don't know exactly what caused him to drop out of the race, but he did. And suddenly, whose name should come to the forefront but Mike Johnson? And it's like, Mike Johnson? Who's Mike Johnson? Mike Johnson. And so all the members of the caucus, the Republican caucus, for the most part, uh, agreed that Mike Johnson would be a great candidate and it looked like it was going to be going to be inevitable inevitable that they would vote for him and he'd have the votes in the caucus. but suddenly, suddenly, Kevin McCarthy jumps up and he decides that he makes a proposal that he should run as speaker and Jim Jordan should run as his co-speaker. Well, no one had ever heard of that. And in that moment, as I've had it explained to me, Kevin revealed to everyone in the caucus that he never was willing to give away his position. As I understand it, he tanked uh, any chance Steve Scalise had of winning. He did it privately. He tanked Jim Jordan, even as he was pretending like he was supporting Jim Jordan, uh, because Kevin never, ever wanted to step down from being Speaker. This was a big game. And so, when he proposed that Jim Jordan be his co speaker, even the 21 and the guys who work with K Street were very unhappy with him because they had worked so hard and this was going to sabotage everything. And so, they took a vote, and 100% they all voted for this unknown, strong believer named Mike Johnson. And so when we uh, woke up Wednesday morning, we had—it uh, went to the to the floor to be voted on. And you heard the, the announcement at the top of the show with 220 votes. Congressman Mike Johnson from the state of Louisiana became the Speaker of the House. And I want to say a few more things before I take a breath here and include Bruce with this—in uh, this next conversation— uh, the vote was unanimous from the conference. They were so effusive it was this is the conference. There are photos of them praying in the conference, coming together and praying. I'm not sure hundred percent of them did, but they were praying inside that room, and this is why I'm telling you this was nothing short of a miracle, so they go out into. The house, the body of the house, and the vote takes place. And with that, I'm going to take a pause here. Well, before we get back to the speaker and that moment when Mike, Mike's nomination came out into the floor, I want to have Bruce join me for that discussion because the miracle continues. And speaking of miracles, you know, Christian Healthcare Ministries was formed by a pastor who had a terrible accident, lost his wife and lost his child, and didn't have any money to pay for his bills. And so uh, he had uh, already, at that point, this is in the 80s, had a way of reaching people like I I don't know if it was an email list or what he had at that time, but he actually sent out an email, told people what had happened, and asked for help. And people flooded him with resources. That's how this all started. And he said to himself, if this can happen for me, how could we set this up to help other people in need? It is for Christians. Yes, it is. And it's to provide for your medical needs by the community. It's a way where people pitch in with their resources so that when you need help, whether it's a daily medical care or weekly or monthly or yearly, uh, it, it covers that with the resources of all of the people that are part of this. If you want to check this out, if for the most part, if you check your bills uh, in any given year or all of your output for you know, co-pays or whatever, and you compare it to the cost of chministries.org, you'll find that it is much more affordable. It's more affordable. So go to chministries.org slash Sandy, org slash Sandy. And please, please check it out to see if this is the best way to take care of your family's medical needs.
0: It was in 1962, in 1962, that, that our national motto in God We Trust, was adorned above this rostrum. And if you look at the little uh, guide that they give uh, tourists and constituents who come and, and, and visit the house, if you turn in there to about page 14 in the middle of that guide, it tells you the history of this. And it says very simply, these words were placed here above us, this motto was placed here, as a rebuke of the Cold War era philosophy of the Soviet Union. That philosophy was Marxism and Communism, which begins with the premise that there is no God. This is a critical distinction that is also articulated in our nation's birth certificate. We know the language well, the famous second paragraph that we used to have children memorize in school, and and they don't do that so often anymore, but they should. G.K. Chesterton was the famous British philosopher and statesman, and he said one time, America is the only nation in the world that is founded upon a creed. and He said it's listed with almost theological lucidity in the Declaration of Independence. What is our creed? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, not born equal, created equal, and they are endowed by the the same inalienable rights, with the same inalienable rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. That That is the creed that has animated our nation since its founding, that has made us the great nation that we are. And we're in a time of extraordinary crisis right now. And the world needs us to be strong. They need us to remember our creed and our admonition.
1: That's the extraordinary moment when Mike Johnson spoke to the House of Representatives for the very first time as their brand new speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, this is nothing short of a miracle. I know it happened a few days ago, but I'm telling you, we need to be, if you were watching what was happening in Israel, and, the, and that's important, and missed this, I don't want you to miss it. I want you to understand what God did just this past week. Um, I've asked Bruce, of course, to be with me this morning. And honey, when you watched the vote take place on the House floor or the reception of Mike Johnson, just describe that if you would.
3: It actually gave me chills to watch the response, because for how long have we wished for something like this? We've longed for a a politician, and I hate to even call him that, but he is a politician, Mike Johnson, to to be given to us that can lead us and that we can trust. Because I, I have to tell you, my impression of Kevin McCarthy was that he was like a used car salesman. He gave his business to who gave him the best deal uh, or he could make the best deal with, and uh, he used his money to wield his influence. And now we turn around and we have a man who appears to be a, a biblically-led, scripture-believing, brilliant constitutional lawyer. And you have to remember, the House of Representatives is all about the Constitution, or at least it's supposed to be about it. And now we have a man that, uh, before this ever started, he wanted to start a program to start educating the members of Congress, whether it be Democrat or Republic, as to what the Constitution actually said and what it stood for. Because you have to understand it. People go there, they don't know what the Constitution is. They were voted in by, uh, you know, because they were popular amongst people uh, in their district because they made promises to them a lot of times.
1: Can I just interject? That funny story I've told before on the air when I heard uh, the former librarian of Congress speak at a women's gathering and someone asked her what was the most ridiculous question she ever got from a member of congress because they do research for members of congress and she said well it hasn't been that long ago and somebody actually asked me what abraham lincoln did when he left the white house so yeah the constitution if they don't know that i don't think Uh, they know the constitution so
3: and uh this process actually it it amazed me because it was to me it was biblical because we talk about refining in the bible we talk about iron sharpening iron and you know these guys could have taken the easy way out very quickly after mccarthy said he would you know he was going to stay well he was forced to step down uh because really mccarthy never had any intention of staying out of this um situation all the time this was going on, he was working behind the scenes to try to get back into power as the speaker and actually come back with greater powers, because he was trying to make it look like, gee, you just can't, you just can't find anybody. I guess you need me, yeah, huh? Yeah, I'll but step I'll up. I'll come back. And I'll get
1: uh, uh, Jim but, Jordan to, to help I, me. But I,
3: but I have to have more power this time. Yeah. And instead of that happening, we watch person after person come and fall, and you know. We love Jim Jordan, I think both of us, but I am so glad that he is where he is, and that's in charge of these committees investigating the Department of Justice because that is important, and we don't need that to, t- to stop because they have to now find a new uh, committee chairman.
1: This reminds me so much, Bruce, of the story of uh, the prophet looking for the next king after Saul had so failed. And so uh, he goes to Jesse, and Jesse has, what, 12 sons. <laughs> and all this, uh, Jesse puts forth his grown sons, and, you know, the prophet looks over them, and no, not him, not him. And he says, finally, he says, don't you have, do you have another son? He says, yeah, but he's young, you know, he's out in the fields, he's, a, he's just a shepherd. And so it was David, the shepherd boy, out in the field that God chose as king, while it seemed you know, Reuben or the other brothers would be a much better choice, and it was it, this this to me was God all the way, and I want to say one more thing in that moment when when he got the votes in the, the House of Representatives to actually be speaker, the response the response Bruce. Members of the House on both sides stood in standing ovation, and it the clapping went on and on and on, uh, and the all of the uh, the, the the holdouts, uh, the uh, which I call I call the liberal rep- Republicans or maybe even not Republicans at all, they were all so enthused, and genuinely enthused. I've heard their quotes since then. Mm-hmm. They really, really wanted Mike to be Speaker. After all was said and done, and even the Democrats. Did not resist, did not mock, and that in itself, to me, is a miracle. Hocking Jeffrege actually embraced him yeah. on the podium.
3: It, 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 at least on his face, it's it's a good foundation to kick things off on. Yeah. Because because uh, certainly uh, McCarthy was not felt; uh, he was not held in such esteem. And you know, to go to your point about who would have ever thought Mike Johnson would be picked for this. If you read his story or you listen to him give his story, it's really pretty amazing. His dad was a firefighter in Louisiana, Shreveport. And Mike said that's all he ever wanted to do, was become the chief of the fire department in Shreveport, Louisiana. He's the first person in their family to go to college and finish. His mother had him. He was the first child of four when she was only 17 years old. Um. He's already talking about what... He already has a plan in place. He's going to establish a bipartisan committee to look into the debt crisis. He, he says that is a, the greatest domestic thing facing us at this moment is the debt. And he actually said during the time he was going to give his speech, the debt will have increased $20 million. Think of that. Um, if you looked at him when he came up onto the podium to give his acceptance speech, he had a folder, a binder that had his speech, but he had another book in his hand. And guess what book that was? It was the Bible.
1: His personal Bible. Yeah. Brought up to the podium. I mean, just while you're getting your breath, he's a homeschool dad. Their kids are all homeschooled. Um, He is known. I mean, he's known for his ministry inside the caucus. They all know him that way, even the left. So I'm sure some of the others are too, but This is just, only God, only God. They only have four seats in the house, honey, four seats that they control it. And with those uh, good men, and and trust me, there are such good men and women at the core of this who've been praying and working even while they're getting hammered and disparaged and hated for what they were doing. They kept working away, and there weren't enough of them to make this happen. Only God could make this happen.
3: Well, you know, in a perfect world, we would not vote by party lines on everything. But unfortunately, that seems to be the reality when you deal with the Democrats. If you look, when they vote in the House, every member of their caucus votes the same. And like you say, we only have a four-vote margin. Now, when Kevin McCarthy was in charge, I think it was really difficult for Republicans to stay in line with him because so many of his views were not really conservative values. They were more like Democratic things.
1: Absolutely. So
3: we had this fractured caucus. I'm hoping, maybe I'm dreaming, it is Washington, (laughs) D.C., after all, but I'm hoping that these people that are on our, quote-unquote, on our side, on the Republican side, will look at um, Mike Johnson and say, you know what, if this is his idea I need to really examine it and probably vote for it because if he's for it, uh, I, it it's, it's the right thing for the country yeah. because I think that's what Johnson's going to do. I think he's going to stop worrying about trying to please constituents of K Street like you were talking, people like that, and get the country back on track because we're, we've got so many things facing us right now that we don't have time to have a deal maker in there like Kevin McCarthy.
1: No, and one of the first things he did was pass a resolution in support of Israel, uh, and I believe they sent uh, voted for money to Israel as well. Yes, um, and also he's he's got he does has have, have his plan to deal with these appropriation bills. They've already, in fact, right after, as soon as he <laughs> finished his speech, I think they passed one more appropriations bill. There's like eight more to go. At least yeah. there was as of when I was reading about this. So. He's getting down to business as we speak. Yeah,
3: and, you know, he is not just a Johnny-come-lately. I mean, uh, we've known about him actually for a long time, primarily through his questioning of witnesses in various committees. If you want to get a good sample of what a no-nonsense, not a mean guy, but what a no-nonsense guy he is, look at two uh, interrogations he did, both of Merrick Garland, the attorney general. One was regarding... uh, CRT theory
1: being... Critical race theory. Critical
3: race theory being uh, shoved down the throats of people in the government. And the other one was about the weaponization of the Department of Justice against Donald Trump, against Trump supporters, against conservatives in general. And you will be, I think, blown away by how he gets to it. It's not like a politician. He is... He really is a constitutional lawyer, and that's how he questions people.
1: Yeah, when he went, against, uh, went up against uh, questioning Merrick Garland, he was amazing because he's gentle but powerful. He would not relent. Uh, Bruce, let's take just a break here, and then we'll come back and finish up our discussion on this miracle because it is nothing short of a miracle. And I want to remind you, you know, M- Mike, by the way, is very pro-life. Uh, it's astounding. And in fact, that's what they're using to slander him right now. Thank God. Thank God he's so strong, genuinely, not just to get elected, which is what some of them do. He genuinely is pro-life. And so I want to remind you, we've got uh, so many issues coming up. Ohio uh, has a huge battle right now on a vote on November 7th. Uh, It's called Issue 1. It will be an amendment to their constitution. It will legalize abortion for all nine Months We are in the fight of our lives over the abortion issue, and it is a miracle that we were able to just have instated a very strongly committed pro-life Speaker of the House. And along with that, I want to tell you, you know, Planned Parenthood is the nation's largest abortion business. And by the way, they're busy, busy, busy in Ohio, spending millions of dollars to try to make sure that this uh, new amendment is instated in the Constitution In the year 2020 through 2021, Planned Parenthood committed a staggering 374,155 abortions. Uh, And so disproportionately, they build their abortion centers, as I've told you, in black and Hispanic neighborhoods. If that doesn't like ring your chimes, not just because babies of all colors are precious, but the fact that they target black and Hispanic neighborhoods should make uh, the hair crawl the back of your neck. It certainly does mine. We need to stop abortion. We've got to, thank God, again, a pro-life Speaker of the House, will, which will go a long way to fighting back in the right way as these initiatives come up in various states. But pre-born is fighting in a different way. It's not a political way. It's a way to persuade moms on their own that this is, this is, this is a better choice. Don't take the life of your baby. It's a life inside of you, and God has given you that baby. If you want to help them provide these ultrasounds, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy.
2: This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio.
0: Last thing I'm going to say is a message to the rest of the world. They have been watching this drama play out for a few weeks. We've learned a lot of lessons, but you know what? Through adversity, it makes you stronger, and yeah, and, and we want our allies around the world to know that this body of lawmakers is reporting again to our duty stations. Let the enemies of freedom around the world hear us loud and clear. The People's House is back in business.
1: All right.
2: Thank you. See? Thank you.
1: See what I mean? That's the way they responded, and that's both sides of the aisle. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Speaker Mike Johnson, God has done a miracle in the U.S. House of Representatives. Honey, uh, just a f- just some final words here. Well,
3: I, I want to thank personally and probably for a, a ton of people in this country, Matt Gates. He really laid it on the line in this um, situation. He was vilified for two weeks that basically— he was screwing up the world, is what they were saying. You know, Israel's burning down, and, and it's it's Matt Gates' fault. Uh, the economy's out of control, and it's Matt Gates' fault because we don't have a speaker. The border's wide open, and it's Matt Gates' uh, problem because he knocked out the speaker. Listen, it's like it's like a boil. When it gets bad enough, you have to lance it, no matter how much it hurts. And that's what Matt Gates did. He saw McCarthy break promise after promise, and the border wide open, the debt out of control, um, no worries, no thoughts at all about Israel, only about Ukraine, and he had to do something. And I give him a lot of credit for that, and the people that supported him, and I think the proof is in the pudding. We saw what we got now, and it was worth it.
1: Amen to that, sweetheart. And of course, above all, we need to recognize that God was in all of this. God was in all of this. And uh, we're going to play a song that Bruce and I absolutely, pretty much, wherever we are, fall on our knees when we hear it in worship. It's so appropriate now. It's not just worship. It's also called action. And as it rolls, I want to remind you that we have sponsors. Thank God. They are Christian organizations, Freeborn.com. Slash Sandy helps to save the lives of unborn babies with your help, and also chministries.org provides healthcare with Christians cooperating uh, with each other with their resources to take care of medical needs. The money that it costs to take care of those medical needs. Now sit back, don't don't turn off the dial. Join with us in worship. Here's the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir with "Take Up Your Cross." encouraging you today to listen to the words of this song we have men and women setting that example for us in Washington of all places taking up the cross and following him giving him all not ashamed to say that they know him let's join and do what we can to save our nation and our neighbors and friends on Sandy Rios 24-7.